Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash 365 and get on your way to being your best self. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether with friends, work, your significant other, or anyone else. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 365 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 365. BetterHelp.com. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Rob Dowster, the field of 68 with us on 365 Sports. I saw a stat last night watching some of the wrap-up shows. I'm not sure where exactly it was, but the top 10 teams in the AP this year are 34 and 34 against unranked teams, which, you know, you're going to have some upsets in the Big 12. There's like five teams hanging out side the top 25 that can beat anybody. Why is that, though, you think, this year? Because it appears to be the the best record ever unranked against top 10 in AP poll history. Uh, you know, I think it's twofold. For starters, I think that with, uh, you know, the, the lack of the superstars coming in um, as freshmen this year and the fact that uh, most of the best players, most of the veterans tend to be upper class, uh, tend to be um, – big men that what you're seeing is that the best teams in the country don't quite have that same level of, uh, of elite player and elite talent that we've seen in some of the past seasons. Right. Um, and when you combine that with the fact that the rest of the pack, you know, the teams that are in that like 25 to 60 range that are kind of somewhere on, uh, on the bubble, like fourth, fifth, sixth places in their conference, the gap is closed because they're able to get guys that are, fourth year, fifth year, sixth year players that are able to be eligible immediately. So you get some of these, you know, guys that are juniors or seniors uh, at the mid-major ranks that are able to transfer up and and be eligible immediately. That makes them that much better um, at the highest level right away. So I think the gap is closed between the elite teams in college basketball and the teams that are kind of in, you know, let's just call them like the six seeds or the seven seeds or whatever it would end up being. Uh, and um, when you combine that with the fact that the best teams in the country just aren't quite as good as they were in like 2015, 2016, kind of, um, you're going to see a lot more upsets. And, you know, the funny part of it is, all right, so let's talk about the Texas Tech-Kansas game on Monday night, for example, right? Mm-hmm. If you go back and you look at the betting lines, Texas Tech is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. 
So while that is an upset by uh, by ranking, and I will definitely call it an upset because I just it, those narratives of oh, top ten team lost on the road. It's an upset. I think it's great for the sport. Uh, the team that was favored by the Sharps in Vegas ended up winning that game. Now, they won by 29. They were favored by three and a half, but they were still favored. So uh, people kind of realize when this stuff is happening, but it's it's just the, we always talk about parity in college basketball. I think more than ever, it is something that we are seeing this year. Does that then open up the door for more teams that can win the national title than, than usually? It's not like college football. There's like three to five. In basketball, you could have what we had last year with uh, Florida Atlantic and, and obviously with the San Diego State. But has that number perhaps grown or is it about the same? Um, I think that there's probably more teams that can make a Final Four this year than than in some of the recent seasons, but I don't think it necessarily means there's more teams that can win a national championship because being able to be at that level for six straight games, especially once you get past the first weekend where you basically are pretty much guaranteed to be playing a very, very, very good team uh, for four straight games, you got to be a certain level of great to do that. And that's why we see a lot of times um, – you know, the, the, the teams that can kind of make that run and sneak into the, the Final Four aren't able to, to pull it out and win a national championship. And uh, I think that that's probably going to end up being the case this year as well. But uh, the beauty of college basketball is you just never know. You just never know what's gonna, who's going to be able to kind of make those runs. So um, it's why uh, the NCAA tournament is the absolute best way to determine a champion and the absolute worst way to try to figure out who the best team in college basketball is. Rob Douster with us on 365 Sports. KU has five conference losses. We know that McCullers missed time, but every team right now has a player that's out or beat up or whatever, sometimes multiple. What's happened with them other than the fact that it's obviously, I use this term, a battering ram in the Big 12, but they've always had, you know, kind of a battering ram, and they've always had maybe two, three, or four conference losses at the most. Why is this year more difficult for Bill Self? I mean, I think it's the obvious, right? They don't have the same level of depth. Uh, They don't have the same level of balance that we've seen in the past. And, you know, there's there's a reason why uh, people can kind of say, like, you're as strong as your weakest link, right? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of – it's become clear where you can attack this Kansas team. Um, And that is at the wing spot, right? Whoever is kind of playing that that off-guard – two-guard role, uh, whether that's Nick Timberlake or Johnny Furphy, those are the guys that you can kind of go after. And when you combine that with the fact that Dewan Harris is not exactly the most uh, efficient offensive weapon and Kevin McCuller um, probably is shooting closer to what he naturally is the shooter in Big 12 play than what he was doing uh, in, in the non-conference. Um, and there's no depth. You know, at the, at the end of the day, this is a long season. It starts in September for a lot of these guys. By the time you get to mid-February, a lot of them are worn down. They're banged up. They need some rest. They need to, some time to kind of make sure that they're, the wear and tear on their bodies isn't going to be too much. And, and you're not able to get that when you're uh, having to do what they have to do, uh, Kansas, that is, and, and play that many guys every single night. So um, it, it's it'll be very interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out for Kansas because I do think that they're – uh, their top four is as good as any top four in college basketball when they're healthy. But you need, like, a rotation of, like, seven guys is probably the sweet spot. And they just don't have that right now. 
Baylor exploded last night against Oklahoma, and they have had like four losses that have been down to the last possession or so, but they did explode. None was nuts uh, last night. and But Jacoby Walter who is incredibly talented, has had his moments, but it's not been a night-in and night-out alpha like like you hear about with some of the one-and-dones, which we hear that maybe a little bit too much. How much and how far can they go without Jacoby Walter at times taking over a game? I think it can go a really long way. To me, it's it's less about Jacoby Walter, and it's more about um, how how well are they going to guard, right? How well are they going to defend? To me, that's the one. You know, I've, I've said this to you before, Smokey. So like, it's when when Baylor was at their best, right? The the twenty twenty season, the twenty twenty one season, the twenty twenty two season before they had to deal with all those injuries. They weren't just a great offensive team; they were one of the nation's best defensive teams, right? They were able to do it on both ends of the floor, and um, and I just don't know if you if you have that this year with this group. And you can win – you can beat anybody in the country. Like, if you just have an explosive offense and can go out and put up 100 points on anybody. Like, you can win a game against anyone. But if you are relying on having to have your A game offensively every single night to be able to um, to win in March, like, that, that's just not going to happen. We know that's not going to happen. It's impossible to rely on being able to hit, like, 50% of your threes every single night. If you can do that, that's how teams would build their offenses, right? Um, and – you got to be able to have nights where you win your game, win games with your defense. And I just am not convinced that they have enough talent. They have enough switchability. They have enough guys that are going to be elite on that end of the floor to be able to do it. And there's, I would put Kentucky in that same conversation. I put Alabama in that same conversation. Um, that, those, I would not be surprised to see Alabama win any game on any court against anybody that they play. Same thing with Kentucky. But not surprise me to see them beat literally anybody in college basketball. The same token, I would not be surprised to see Baylor lose to a 14th seed in the first round because mm-hmm. it's the night where they shoot three for 18 from three and the other team's guards just find a way to get going because there's not enough defenders, right? Like, it's just they're one of those teams where – their highs and their lows are very, very different. And um, I would never bet on – like, it's very difficult for me to sit here and say, like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bet against Scott Drew in the first round of the tournament. That doesn't seem like a very uh, smart idea, but, you know, it, 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 the way that they're built, I would not be the most shocked in the world if that happened. All right, so yesterday we had Mac Rhodes on our show, Baylor's director of athletics, and uh, we asked about – Kelvin Sampson had Max back. As you know, Mac got mad, said a few things, mm-hmm. was kind of in control, but said him was fine. He should have been fine. That is, you have to do that. But then Sampson made the comment, I've been I've learned that if you tell the truth, you get fined twenty five thousand dollars like Mac Rhodes. So you had Scott Drew uh ejected, then Sampson ejected, and then Bill Self ejected, three Hall of Fame type coaches. Uh, is this just how things are starting to catch up in the conference because it is such a beatdown week in and week out, or is there an issue when it comes to the officiating at that conference level? I, I think that if you are seeing the three best coaches in the league get ejected from games when they almost never, ever get ejected from games, mm-hmm. um, you probably have an officiating issue, right? The one with Scott Drew is that's like – I kind of – and I I, I I don't like saying this about Scott, but I kind of feel like he was asking for that one <laughs> because it was a coach's box thing. 
And like he did that that thing where I don't know, like if people are listening, if you got kids, where they're just trying to figure out where the line is, and <laughs> go across, push the line, push the line, push the line, and all of a sudden they go across the line and they're uh, leaning over, and um, you know, all of a sudden out of nowhere they have uh, they, they're they're getting ejected from the game, right? And they're getting in trouble. Um, so that, I think that was just a little bit different. But like Kelvin Sampson and, and Bill Self, you could very much tell that they were trying to make a point when they were getting tossed. Like they, that's what they were trying to do um, in those specific situations. So uh, it's it's it just kind of is what it is, right? Like I, I do think that there is an issue with what they are on uh, with what the officials are um, calling. I think it's too physical in the Big Twelve. You know, I'd like to see them be able to to call it a little bit tighter to open those games up because at some point, like we're trying to watch basketball, it's not supposed to be a rugby match, but. You know, it is what it is, man. That's that's the, the that's the way that the Big Twelve became really, really good, and that's kind of what people expect out of it at this point. Last thing, Ross Dellinger uh, yesterday had a bunch of stuff about college football playoff uh, to uh, everything. Um, one of the things he discussed was there's still that push about expanding the NCAA men's basketball tournament from sixty eight. And I even think he used the word, I'm not sure if it was imminent or something close to that. I love it the way it is right now. What say you? Don't expand it. Thank like, you. Yeah. You don't need to, you don't need to ruin the best. Like the, best the, the problem is the people that are making these decisions are not people that love the sport. Like they're not fans, right? The people that are making this decision are not the people that are going to sit there on Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament since they were eight years old and watch this stuff and fill out brackets and sit with their their mom and their dad and their siblings and their friends and just sweat out all of these games, right? They're the people that they're, they're, they're out to make money. They're out to figure out how to profit, uh, make profit off of this. They're out, they're about the bottom line. They're about being able to, um, bring as much money into the universities that they work for, the conferences that they work for as possible. And that's where the ultimate disconnect is. You know, the, at the end of the day, the thing that's going to make the most money is not what's going to be the best experience for the viewer and for the fan and for the people sitting at home that are trying to enjoy this this product. And that is where the disconnect lies. That's never going to change. That's always going to be there. There's always going to be that push and that pull. And it's a shame because if they – I don't think that they ruin it if they expand the tournament and they keep the auto bid nature, right? Like if we got to watch an extra round of games, like I, I run a business that relies on March quite a bit. Like that's probably not the worst thing in the world. If they are able to make sure that, you know, mid-major regular season champions have access to the, the NCAA tournament as well, maybe it won't be the worst thing that's ever happened happened my idea is that you expand to 76 teams right you have 60 automatic qualifiers which means you have 16 teams for the last four spots you take the uh you take those 16 teams and break them into groups of four and each of those groups of four go to a different historical venue whether it's maybe fall gallon Fieldhouse. Dayton Arena, the Palestra in Philadelphia, and you have a four-game kind of mini NTE tournament where you play two games on a Tuesday, then on a Wednesday you play the championship of that little section, and then that team advances and ends up being like the 11 seed in, in the region or a 12 seed in the region, and you use that for the last 16 uh, at-large qualifiers. Hey, you know what? Then we get Tuesday and Wednesday where you have all of these unbelievable games and unbelievable action and you know, then it's just two more days of NCAA tournament stuff. But if we're talking about going to 96 and saying that every single high major team in college basketball makes the tournament, 
Like that, we don't need DePaul in the NCAA tournament. No one is sitting here clamoring to see um, Georgetown play in March Madness, right? It's not like we need to say, hey, you know what? West Virginia's been a complete and total mess this entire season, but let's get them into March because they deserve it because that athletic department needs to make more money that they can waste on NIL for Kirk Crease and just, it's just, come on, man. Like you have something that is wonderful and is great and is the best product in all of sports. You own the month of March. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. Just take some extra dollar. You got to make enough money as it is. Rob Douster, the field of 68. It's also the field of 68 on Twitter. Also online, Terrence Oglesby, John Fanta, Jeff Goodman, Rob, uh, all sorts of great guests that you have. Rob, thanks for your time as always. Great stuff with what you do. Thanks, man. Always good to catch up. Rob Douster on 365 Sports. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.